And now, as I say every week, as a forgiven and as a beloved people, let us hear our Pentecost reading for this week. We chose something a little different. So many of us who grew up in faith communities often hear of the Acts 2 moment where the, the disciples are in the upper room, and we will talk about that today. But I want us to hear these words, yes, of Paul. I want us to hear these words of what we are expected to do with that spirit after that riotous Acts 2 moment. So let us together hear 1 Corinthians 12, verses 3b through 17. And I am reading from the Message Translation, which is a wonderful paraphrase of our biblical texts. It's one of the things or one of the translations that I really enjoy using for, for folks who have never experienced church or God's word before. It gives us a more modern language for hearing these wonderful words of grace and hope. But as always, I encourage you to hear this or to follow along in the biblical language that best connects you with God. So once again, let us hear from the letter to the Corinthians, the first letter, 1 Corinthians 12, 3 through 17. What I want to talk about now is the various ways God's spirit gets worked into our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. Remember how when you didn't know God, you were left from one phony God to another, never knowing what you were doing, but just doing it because everyone else did it? It's different in this life. God wants us to use our intelligence to seek to understand as well as we can. For instance, by using your heads, you know perfectly well that the Spirit of God would never prompt anyone to say, Jesus be damned, nor would anyone be inclined to say, Jesus is master, without the insight of the Holy Spirit. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries, they're carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but it is God himself behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is, and everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people, and the variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have one common origin, but they are handed out one by one by the one Spirit of God. 
And it is God who decides who gets what and when. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It is exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to live independently and call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which God has the final say in everything. By the way, this is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of Jesus' resurrection and resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, God's spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, they're no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. See, a body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If the foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If the ear said, I am not beautiful like I who is transparent and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where God wanted it. Thus ends our reading. These are the lessons of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So yes, today is Pentecost. As I said earlier in the service before we started, it's a party day. We need a party dress and we need a party attitude. But what is Pentecost? Now, for many of us who grew up in the church, we have an idea, right? Even as United Methodists, our symbol of Methodism is a cross and flame, the flame representative of the Holy Spirit that moves between us and within us. And it is reminiscent of the, what we call the Acts 2 moment. Now, Jesus had passed had been crucified, and everyone was scared. Now, Pentecost was an already existing celebration in the Jewish tradition. It occurred 50 days after Passover, and it was the celebration of the first fruits. It was where the grains and the cereals and things would come and be brought to the temple. And so, much like Passover... 
the city was full of people coming from all over the known world into Jerusalem to be able to bring their first fruits. And so our disciples of Jesus were in, once again, the upper room, hiding away because they were nervous about the energy in the city, because they remember what had happened the last time the city was so full. The persecution had not ended. They were scared. They were huddled together. They didn't know what to do. It was in that moment that the sound, like a rushing wind or a giant truck driving by, came into the building. And each of them, as it is described in the text, saw a tongue of flame resting over each of their heads. And that was symbolic of the spirit coming into them and giving them the gift to not just prophesy, not just speak the message of Jesus, but to have it spoken in such a way that everyone could understand it. Spoken in such a way that regardless of what part of the world you came from, the message was loud and clear. And that is the birth of the church, if you will, that we celebrate. It's not the birth of Christianity, per se. It's the birth of the Jesus movement moving above and beyond just the Jewish community that it was within, but out into the world. That is what we celebrate. And Paul is correct. And I can't even believe I'm saying those words. Joe, did you hear me? Paul was correct that this is a complex and often misunderstood movement. The celebration of Pentecost is a time for us coming from our very Christian lens where we commemorate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon those early disciples, those who paved the way for us. That Spirit empowered them to continue with Jesus' mission, his mission and his ministry of love and transformation, and it made it available to all people. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13 through 17, or 13 through 19, depending on which translation you're looking at, the Apostle Paul emphasizes the diversity of those spiritual gifts. He emphasizes their essential role in the body of Christ. And this passage that we hear today invites us, offers an invitation to us to reflect upon the significance of Pentecost, why it's important, and what are its implications for us as we understand the church and we understand our place within the church as one unified in a diverse community. It's Unity, not uniformity. And so we are asked to acknowledge the source of our spiritual gifts. See, the passage begins with the affirmation that no one can say Jesus is Lord except when given the power to do so by the Holy Spirit. 
This declaration emphasizes the role of the Holy Spirit as the source of all of our spiritual gifts. And when we claim that spirit, when we claim that role of the spirit within our lives that empowers us to live out our spirits, that is a fundamental confession of our faith as Christians. Pentecost reminds us that our spiritual gifts don't come from us. Amen? Amen. It reminds us that these gifts are blessings. They are blessings that have been bestowed upon us through God's grace, which is another word for God's abundant love. We are called to recognize the Holy Spirit as the empowering force, the force of freedom and liberty that allows us to freely live out our abilities and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord in our lives. It is that which encourages us to seek out the different spheres in our lives to make sure that they all align We've been talking about it for months now, amen? Amen. What is it about our faith that emboldens us, that encourages us to live fearlessly in a world that demands a separation of our faith from our everyday life, when in reality, it is because of our faith that we are able to live this life? This passage reminds us, again, that it is not about uniformity, but unity and diversity that makes the body of Christ so relevant. Relevant not just in the first century, not just in the second century, but relevant even in the 21st century. Paul speaks of the church as a human body. And he emphasizes how the body is interconnected, how each of the systems that we have has an interdependence upon each other to function. The church is much like the body, and I'm using church as the big C church, but it applies to us here as well. Just as the body consists of these various parts, as Paul calls out the hand, the ear, the eye, The church is composed of different people, different individuals with different spiritual gifts. Pentecost reminds us that this diversity is not only necessary, but it is intentional on the part of the spirit. And it is important and necessary for the effective functioning of the body of Christ. Effective functioning. We have to embrace our strengths, our gifts, to be effective bearers of Christ's spirit in the world. No gift or member is superior to another. All are essential for the church to grow. All are essential for the church to thrive and all are essential to furthering the mission of the church. That is the very 
essence of the gospel, which means the good news, God's words, that all are welcome, that all have a place in this space and all have a job to do. Paul embraces and calls us to value those differences. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but the face of the church is changing, amen? For better or for worse, the church of our youth, no matter how old or young or young at heart you are, the face of the church has changed. The faces of the church have changed. And in this passage, Paul emphasizes that every member of the body, no matter where they enter into from or how long they've been part of the community or how new they are to the community, everyone has a specific role to play in the body. Each gift, whether it's wisdom or knowledge or faith or healing or gifts of music, gifts of hospitality, gifts of preaching and teaching, gifts of radical love, gifts of interpretation, all of these contribute to the overall well-being of the church, which means not just those who are in the pews matter or those who are part of our online community matter, but those who aren't here matter. Because if they're not here, they're not able to share their gifts for the good of the body. Each of us are responsible for being present to be able to further the mission and the ministry of the church. And Pentecost challenges us to appreciate that, to appreciate the differences among us, because it allows us to be more inclusive. It allows us to be a more welcoming community because when we value our differences, that means we value every individual's unique contribution. It means we understand that our varied gifts and perspectives enhance, not detract, but enhance the richness of our life together as a community of faith, which is why It is so important for us all to be in this together. Because when we're not together, when we're not unified, then there's no interconnectedness. There's no body. There's no mutual support of one another. Paul emphasizes that the body's strength lies in its interconnectedness as every part relies on the others for its proper functioning. We are no different. In the church, the exercise of our spiritual gifts should be marked by a spirit of mutual support, of collaboration, of interdependence. Because as the face of the church changes, so do the gifts that we have together as a community. And that is a beautiful thing. This exercise of our spiritual gifts needs to be supported by one another. And you can't do that if you're not 
present. Pentecost teaches us that we are not intended to be isolated from one another. We are not intended to be isolated individuals. We are expected and called to be interconnected members of a community. Folk who are bound together by love. Love for one another, love for God, love for Christ. We are bound together and that is through the Holy Spirit. Our gifts are not ours to raise ourselves up over others. They're not given to us so that we can critique the gifts of another. These gifts should not be used for personal gain or recognition, but for the benefit of the entire body. And why are we given these gifts? Because it makes things really complex, amen? Amen. Given all of these different gifts makes it really difficult sometimes to understand each other as well. So why? Why would the spirit blow and make us all so unique that sometimes it can create conflict? Well, the purpose of these spiritual gifts are that we are a reminder to one another of the power of God. We are reminders of the manifestation of the Spirit, that anything is possible, and when anything is possible, it can all be given for the common good. Not just for the folk who are members of this church, but folk that are members of our communities, of our neighborhoods, and our world. Because our spiritual gifts were not meant, again, for self-gratification. They're not meant to lift ourselves up, but they are meant to be used for the service of others. Amen. And it's for the service of others, not the advancement of a denomination, not the advancement of a particular theology. It is about building up the church for the common good, for the advancement of the kingdom or the kingdom of God. That is the purpose. That is why we are given so many different ways of expressing our faith and affecting change in the world. That's why we have so many different gifts to offer It is because we are here, we are called, we are expected to act and live in such a way that shows that we believe what we say when we pray, your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Pentecost challenges us, and we love a good challenge, amen? amen? Pentecost challenges us to discern then how can our gifts be used? How can they be employed in love? How can they be used to to encourage selflessness? How can we put ourselves out there in all all of our spheres, our spiritual spheres, our professional spheres, our personal spheres, how can we use our gifts to build up the church, to build up this body of Christ and extend love and mercy to the world in different and unique ways? 
That's the gift of Pentecost. It's not just about uh, a gift of tongues or, or a Pentecost of the tongue. It's about a Pentecost of the ears and the heart. How do you speak in such a way that you can meet others at the point of their need? How do you live your, spirit, your spiritual gifts out in such a way that anyone can see that there is something different about you and they want to be a part of that movement too? How are you extending God's love and mercy in the world through your gifts. Amen. We are called to be people of the Spirit. We are called to be moving through the world as faithful stewards of these gifts that we have received Amen. and to faithfully use them to bring about transformation and renewal and the spirit of Pentecost into all of the places we find ourselves. Amen. So what are you going to do with that, friends? What are you going to do with that, beloved? With those gifts of the Spirit that you have been given? Because Pentecost, with its celebration of the Holy Spirit's empowerment and powerful presence among us, reminds us that it is because of the changing face of the church and the diversity that we embrace, we are better for it and we can be better for it. Amen. First Corinthians calls us to recognize that those spiritual gifts are sourced by the Spirit. It is because of the Holy Spirit that connects us all that we are able to do this work as one body. And so I encourage you, as the face of our churches change, as the gifts of our people look different, embrace that. Amen. Support it. Encourage it. Nurture it. So that anyone who comes through those doors or encounters us in the world will be empowered to utilize their gifts for the common good. And so this week, as we reflect on this passage, let us renew our commitment. Let us be renewed in the spirit and let us do that to be active participants. Active participants in the mission of God's love. Active participants in empowering one another through the Holy Spirit. And may we do that with a renewed sense of vigor and excitement for what is to come as we bear witness to Christ's love in the world. Amen. May it be so for each and every one of us. Amen. Amen.